This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome in, folks, to week six here in the NFL. Your week is winding down, and we are bringing you WFUV's NFL Friday. I'm Joe Marie, joined by Tom Scabelli. Tom, how is everything? I'm doing good. Glad to be on the podcast for the first time. Fantastic. We're glad to have you. So last night, a big game in the NFC South, which last year was a dumpster fire. This year, not so much. Two undefeated teams going into last night, Thursday night football game, the Panthers and the Falcons. But it was the New Orleans Saints who came out on top just a few days after getting absolutely pasted by the, I believe it was the Eagles last Sunday. So what did you see in that game? A 31-21 victory for the Saints. Pretty special night down there in New Orleans, wouldn't you say, Tom? Oh, yeah, definitely an eventful game. I mean, you had quite a few turnovers. The blocked punt while Steve Gleason was there, he had that big blocked punt, no six, in the return to the Superdome. And so that was huge for the Saints to get that return touchdown in front of him. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I just think overall, I think the Falcons didn't look great last night. I think they looked like a team with flaws. And I think the Saints, uh, you know, performed up to their expectations. Now, they, they really did kind of gash the Saints 20-20, to 20, picked up 150 yards on the ground. The issue, like you said, were the turnovers. There was the block punt. Tevin Coleman fumbled for the Falcons on the 10-yard line. Matty Ice fumbled again as well on a pretty long drive there at the end of the second quarter, around the 17. This Falcons team is very good, like we have seen all season. They have a great running back in Devontae Freeman. They have probably the league's best receiver in Julio Jones. Matt Ryan finally stepping into his element. But this is why we love football, because the New Orleans Saints shouldn't have had any chance to win that game. Marquise Colston's out. They were just embarrassed on Sunday to the tune of some obscene number of yards. Like a 39-10 score, well, that's no, at least, yeah. It was terrible. It was, they let up 509 yards to, to a struggling, struggling Eagles team. And then they came out on their home field and fed, of all people, Benjamin Watson. And when <laughs> I saw that, I didn't know Ben Watson was still in the league, but now the Falcons do. I know. He had like a Gronkowski-like showing last night. It was insane. <laughs> it was they, couldn't, they just couldn't slow him down. I mean, they looked really good last night. I think the Falcons, they are 5-0. and I think they were playing a little worse than their record indicated going in. They had just come off a really narrow win against the Redskins, almost lost at home to the Redskins. I know the Saints haven't looked good this year. Drew Brees looks like he's aging, but I, I had picked the Falcons to win, but I had pretty low confidence in it. I, I was kind of expecting a little bit of a trap game for the Falcons. And I think we saw that. Hopefully now with a long week, they'll be able to straight things out going forward. It really does speak to the importance of ball security. Falcons carrying the ball for roughly 7.1 yards per carry. That's a pretty darn good day. If you see those stats going into the game that Devonta Freeman rushed for 100 yards, another you know, incredible touchdown, 25 yards, you think, okay, they should take care of him. But they didn't. And it was, a big, it was a big thing for Breeze to find out he still has a tight end because for so many years he was reliant on Jimmy Graham. It was a head-scratching deal, and as we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, not really working too well for Seattle either. The loss of Max Unger, they're they're underutilizing Graham out there. But Ben Watson came through. He was wide open over the middle, and they did a great job covering for their lack of protection around Breeze with these quick rollout passes. They'd get the Falcons going one way because they were stuffing the run. They were only letting up 2.5 yards per carry. He'd roll out and find Watson over the middle. This, after all the criticism Sean Payton's taken, they really did an excellent job out there did it last night oh absolutely they created a bunch of open lanes uh for the passing game you had benjamin watson like you said over the middle all game 10 catches 120 something yards i mean i think they said it was the most yards he's had in a game since 2010 
So it was really just an outstanding game for the Saints. I I still don't think they're that good. I think they're really troubled on defense. I think. Oh yes. <laughs> I've, I've always thought Drew Brees is a little overrated, and mm-hmm. especially now at the tail end of his career, he's really slowing down. So it's a good win for the Saints, especially at home. Falling to one and five would have pretty much doomed the season. But you still have the Panthers and Falcons that you're chasing in that division. I don't know if this is really going to turn things around for the Saints, but it, it's a good start. It's a great night, and like we had mentioned earlier, Steve Gleason, as you know, he's a Saints player back in 2006, now suffering from ALS, who, like you said, had the super emotional block when the Superdome reopened in 2006. Amazing that he's there when there's another block punt in that same end zone against the Falcons. I mean, that's just, it's incredible. It's crazy. I mean, he had actually tweeted out, he tweeted out, never punt Falcons. <laughs> he's right. And that got, that got a lot of attention. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was really special for them to do that. It's nine years later, so I think it was a good night for the Saints. Absolutely. But to speak to the Superdome, which had been their big advantage, you don't want to go in prime time and play the Saints in the Superdome because they love football in Louisiana. It's so loud. It's all this. They were struggling. They've had two wins there in back-to-back weeks, but prior to that, they were on a six-game losing streak in the Superdome, which if you're a New Orleans native is unbelievable. So the Saints franchise, it is slipping a bit, but like you said, an amazing night. So let's transition to a little bit more of stuff around the NFL now. The big story this week, and the headlines on ESPN will tell you that much, the headline today is 10 Reason the Patriots and Colts Hate Each Other. As you know, it was an off-season mired for the Patriots and all kinds of negative activity surrounding the Deflategate scandal, which, as we now know, was triggered by Colts officials tipping off the referees that the balls may or may not have been underflated. Now, here's the thing. We don't know if the balls were over or underinflated. The NFL did a pretty darn good job muddling their own investigation. What we do know is no matter what Bill Belichick and his team says, this team's going to come out angry, and that's the last thing the Colts need right now. Oh, I, I really think the, the Patriots may score 60 points <laughs> on Sunday. It's just going to be unreal. I mean, they put up 51 on the Jaguars mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and they were just going full steam ahead. And, you know, the Jaguars have never aggravated anyone. No. And they're still Brady, I think, threw the ball like 40-something times that game, and they're still throwing it up. I think the Patriots, they don't want to just beat the Colts. They want to kill the Colts. (laughs) They want to make sure people know you don't come and mess with the Patriots' integrity. They kill the Colts really routinely anyway. Colts haven't beat the Pats since 2009. Last few years, the Patriots just routinely putting up 40 points on them a game. I... I, this is going to be a really high-scoring game, and I think it's going to be a one-sided high-scoring game. I think so. There are so many factors that play into this, because for years this was probably the AFC's best rivalry. This was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. This was unbelievable games played all over the place. It was Tony Dungy versus Belichick. It was something special. Since the Colts drafted Andrew Luck, they have yet to beat the Patriots. In fact, they've yet to make it a competitive game. A lot of that stems from his ability to turn the ball over, which, you know, five p- touchdowns, eight turnovers this season. Missed the past two games. I believe he's likely to play uh, if you feed Matt Hasselbeck yeah. the Wolves. <laughs> then then that it's really over. Bad. Andrew Luck <laughs> at least gives him a little bit of a shot. But no, Matt Hasselbeck has played well in his two games, but he was really game managing the past two. You're going to get in a shootout with the Patriots, and you'd rather have Andrew Luck than Hasselbeck, obviously. So the, the big thing that we had noticed on the past couple games that the Patriots played them so, you know, you've got Tom Brady in there. What makes the Patriots great is that they they can game plan. You don't cover the flat, all right, we'll throw 10,000 quick outs to Julian Edelman. You leave the seam open, we'll put Gronkowski up the middle. You put six back, we're going to start running the ball with LeGarrette Blunt and this year Deion Lewis. So over the past three games that the Patriots have trounced the cold, they've let up 657 yards rushing. Jeez. Which should never happen to an NFL defense. That's It's criminal. 
This year they have improved their run defense, but that pass defense is so bad. 28th in the league against AFC South quarterbacks, against Blake Bortles and Matt, you know, whoever, Brian Hoyer or whoever the the Texans (laughs) played in that game. It's irrelevant. And now they're playing the best passing team in the NFL. What do you think is an accurate guess for Tom Brady to throw the balls, considering he put up 451 yards on a good Bills defense? I think 450 yards is probably another another good guess. I mean, you mentioned Colts' pass defense really not good. Vontae Davis is a shutdown corner, so I think whoever the Patriots put out there on the outside, he should be able to shut down, but I think they'll put uh, Edelman in the slot. You'll have Gronkowski at tight end, obviously, and they're just going to kill him over the middle. The Colts get absolutely killed over the middle, especially by slot receivers, no matter who they play. I mean, like, I think Cecil Shorts had a huge game on him even. <laughs> like they, uh, Or not Cecil Shorts, that was last week he was out. But whatever, they just get killed over the middle by slot receivers. And I think that Edelman, being maybe the best slot receiver in football, is probably going to have at least 10 catches. He is ranked fifth overall as a receiver right now, averaging about 100 yards per game. 99, you know, excuse me, 99 yards per game, three touchdowns. Good numbers from a, an under, you know, a seventh-round pick who was drafted as a quarterback out of Kent State back in the day. A lot of this is going to factor on that run defense. So they've had some improvements. But if you're the Colts, you're looking at the Patriots, and you've barely pulled out a couple of tight games. You had 10 days. You were missing Andrew Luck. And, and the players, from what I've been reading, the players were not a fan of the uproar after Deflategate. They know they got their butts kicked. And I believe it was Dequell Jackson who said, you know, they would have beat us with bowling balls or tennis balls, no matter what the ball was. It didn't matter. But let's talk about this fever of media in the offseason, perhaps one of the most exciting NFL offseasons ever surrounding the Deflategate charges, and how that weighs on these players on both teams, and how this non issue is right now driving what could be one of the biggest beatdowns this NFL season. Yeah, I think it's huge motivation for the Patriots to come out and say, you know, you're going to call us cheaters. We're just going to kill you then. <laughs> And the Colts, a lot of people are expecting the Colts, you know, to lose, obviously, but maybe this adds some motivation to them because, as crazy as it sounds, the Patriots kind of came out as the good guys in Deflategate. A lot of people were actually on their side, so I think maybe the Colts got a little bit of hate for that, you know, being rats or whatever. So maybe this gives them a little added motivation. I mean, they haven't been beating the Patriots before Deflategate. Maybe this will change something. I don't think so, but it's a chance. And it's so rare that culture in New England is doesn't matter who we're playing. We're just going to play our game. We don't care. But you know in that locker room, you know it's not the same. You know Tom Brady, who was doing something. Say, let, Let's concede that Tom Brady did, in fact, deflate the footballs, which there's still no evidence of. Let's concede it. Three quarterbacks have come out to the media and said, I like it overinflated or I like it underinflated. Aaron Rodgers, that was mentioned during a broadcast. Was, th- was there a witch hunt on Aaron Rodgers that I remember? Who, I don't think who so. clearly <laughs> said, I'm breaking the rules. This was a non issue. And I'm still so confused as to why one of the NFL, they, would, they just went after essentially their best player, their marquee guy, and they tried to embarrass him over a non issue. It speaks to the discipline problem in the league that he kind of tried to cover for himself, Roger Goodell, that is, all these domestic violence accusations, people pressing for the 18-game schedule, a lot of negative publicity, and said, you know what, I'm going to double down on a deflated football. Those priorities are not clear. Those are bad priorities to possess. No, the four-game suspension was absolutely ludicrous. I think one game would have been tops. I think the whole thing with the NFL during the deflate case was we want to protect the integrity of the game. So, you know, they obviously don't like the domestic violence cases, but the thing the NFL really holds in high esteem is we want to protect the integrity of the game. And the idea of cheating is, you know, it's something that obviously would hurt that. And you saw that with Spygate. 
They really came down hard on them then. So I think that this was kind of the NFL saying, look, you got to play by the rules. Exactly. But, but by the same vein, there were violations around the ball code. I believe it was the Vikings were heating them up on the sideline. The Chargers were using Stick'em. $25,000 fine, slap on the wrist, don't do it again. They really went above and beyond oh. to prove something here. No, I absolutely agree with you that the suspension was way too high, but I'm just trying to rationalize what the NFL was probably thinking. Absolutely. So this was supposed to be Tom Brady's first game back if that suspension had been upheld. It didn't, and would this could be— more drama. This, oh, this, that would have been the perfect storm. That being said, let's transition a little right now. The team the Patriots beat in one of the best Super Bowls ever last year, the Seattle Seahawks, they're struggling. If you had told me that the Seahawks would be up 24-7 to on the Andy Dalton-led Bengals and somehow give that one away, I would have laughed in your face. But that's what happened, and there are a lot of issues in Seattle. A lot. Yeah, they have a lot of problems. Marshawn Lynch been hurt the past couple weeks, so that's kind of hurt the running game. Although Thomas Rawls has been good. I think he had a big 60-yard run last week. But the Seahawks, I'm not really sure what's wrong with the Seahawks. I mean, you've got Russell Wilson. He's a very good quarterback. Jimmy Graham was supposed to be a nice addition to the passing game. Allegedly. (laughs) Hasn't done much. And the defense, you know, they were hurting without Chancellor the first few games back. But you've still got Sherman there. You've still got Earl Thomas. So, I, I mean, we, we've said it that uh, Carrie Williams has been absolutely atrocious uh, for the Seahawks. For a team that prides themselves so much on secondary play and so much on having aggressive long corners, they went out and picked up a guy that gets burnt like toast in Carrie Williams and then proceeds to run his mouth generally afterwards. But that's such a big drop-off at that two-corner when you go from Byron Maxwell all the way down to Carrie Williams – all right, why would I ever throw at Richard Sherman? I don't need to. I'm going to pick on Kerry Williams until you shift the defense to help him, and then you're opening stuff up in the seam. That's what happened last week. As soon as Kerry Williams started getting picked on, they had to move Chancellor a bit, and then Tyler Eifert all of a sudden starts beating up Chancellor with those little seam routes, the quick routes. That's the, that's the issue on defense, still the number 7 pass defense. The biggest issue, I think, we had discussed, the, the protection for Russell Wilson is horrible. 22 sacks in five games. Now, Russell Wilson, you know, devout man of God that he is, he's, he's praying in that pocket because he's scared because if you get hit that much as a mobile quarterback, that, that's not good for your psyche. That's not good for your team. And he's panicking, and he's not getting his feet set. And that Max Unger trade again, they let their starting center go. And at the time, we thought, okay, that's fine. They've got this big-time weapon in Jimmy Graham. It doesn't matter if you have Jimmy Graham. You can't throw him the ball if you have no time. It was just one of those head-scratching trades of the time where we thought there was a clear winner and a clear loser. I mean, right now they're just two losers. I mean, the Saints don't have their number one passing target, and the Seattle Seahawks don't have their top center, and they're not using the passing target. Yeah. It's just a shocking fall for a team that was, you know, one bad play call away from a, a, a repeat, essentially return the same team, and they're just not competing. They're not competing. Yeah, I think, like you said, Russell Wilson is probably praying to have Max Unger back on his team. I At the time, a lot of people did declare the Seahawks the winner of the trade, like you said, but I think... For the styles of offense that they play, the Seahawks having a more run-oriented offense and you know not necessarily having a high-volume pass offense, I think it would have been more value for them to keep the offensive line player. And the Saints, you know, obviously one of the most prolific pass offenses in the last couple of years at least, would have been better to keep Jimmy Graham. So I think if the teams could redo the trade, I mean, maybe they can. I think they'd be able to do it. <laughs> I'll send him right back. <laughs> so now let's transition again for your weekly Giants report given by our main man, Christian O'Hara, big game coming up for the G-Men this weekend.
The New York football giants are 3-2. Big Blue is coming off a thrilling come-from-behind victory over the San Francisco 49ers, 30-27. Eli Manning led the 27th fourth-quarter comeback of his career to seal the Giants' win. He also threw for 441 yards and three touchdowns, none more important than the third, a great catch by tight end Larry Donnell in the back of the end zone with 21 seconds left. Now, New York travels to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. They were also 3-2 before playing the Eagles at this point last season, when Victor Cruz suffered a season-ending injury in the game and the team was sent into a tailspin, finishing an abysmal 6-10. The G-Men are looking to avoid that same fate this year as Eli Manning talks about the mindset of the team heading into Monday night. It'll be loud, they're gonna be fired up, they're gonna be rocking, and so uh, we, gotta, we gotta do our job. And we gotta go out there and play smart, handle the crowd noise, uh, hopefully get off to a fast start and, and try, to, try to calm them down. New York is dealing with a host of injuries. Odell Beckham Jr. and Reuben Randall both suffered hamstring injuries last week against the 49ers and are listed as day-to-day. -day. Prince Mukamara will not play on Monday night because of a slight tear in his pectoral muscle and will likely be sidelined for two to four weeks. That means the Giants' defense will have to step up and collectively stop the run as well as they have so far this season and try to establish a consistent pass rush, something that has been lacking through five games. Making the Eagles rely on Sam Bradford should be a part of Big Blue's game plan. On offense, Eli Manning must continue his stellar play, and the offensive line needs to continue to protect him. Keeping him upright will be essential to a New York win. If the Giants' wideouts are healthy enough to play, that will be a key difference in this game. This team showed its fight and resilience last week, and assuming Beckham and Randall play, I like the Giants in a very close game, 27-24. With the Giants' report, I'm Christian O'Hara. WFUV Sports. Thank you so much, Christian. Always good stuff over there. It's a division game. You never know what's going to happen. The Giants didn't look great last week, and the Eagles finally kind of turned around. I love I love reading the Philadelphia sports media. I'm from Boston. I think we're bad. You would have thought that Chip Kelly had tried to assassinate the Pope after those first couple of weeks with the coverage they were getting. I mean, oh my goodness. His system's unorthodox. It takes a little while to get going. Sam Bradford hasn't looked great. What are you looking for in this game? What do you think's the key? I think this is probably the Giants' biggest game of the year because this is huge. If you win this game, you go to four and two. You set the Eagles back to two and four. Cowboys are two and three without Romo and Dez, and the Redskins stink. I don't think they're gonna be much of a threat. So I think if the Giants win this game, they're really controlling their own destiny to winning this division. But the Eagles did play really well last week. The offense is starting to click a little bit better. Sam Bradford has been playing better. He's been making good throws. And I think the Giants are going to have a hard time covering Jordan Matthews, Darren Sproles out of the backfield. The Giants get killed by the – the Giants – I don't think I've Those, ever seen – They're bad in pass coverage I don't think from I've, the linebacker position. I don't think I've ever seen an NFL team get less pass rush on a quarterback than the Giants have this season. It, it's unbelievable. They just get no pass rush on the quarterback. I think Sam Bradford is going to have a pretty nice day passing the ball. DeMarco Murray should get slowed down if the Giants' run defense does keep up. I think it's going to be a shootout. I do because the Eagles' defense is pretty bad as well. And I think it really depends if Odell Beckham plays and how healthy is he going to be. is going to really determine this game. I think Odell Beckham obviously is the key to that offense because he enables the double team. He enables you to pull some people out of the box, really open up some rushing lanes for Andre Williams. Eli really pulled one out of the hat last week. That that throw that should have been picked off against San Fran was terrible. And the kind of stuff that Eli Manning is a Patriots fan, and it kills me to say, he gets away with that stuff and then comes down and makes a heck of a play. 
perfect pass, pass and catch by Larry Donnell. But the Giants, for, for all the, the success they've had, they're 3-2. and two, They're somehow atop the NFCs. I'm still not convinced they're that great of a football team. They don't get a pass rush, ever. Granted, they stop the run. They're only laying up 80 yards per game. They don't get a pass rush at all. They can move the ball to Beckham. They don't have too many other ways of moving the football. They've had some good play design. Eli's been solid, but not fantastic. I tell my roommate all the time, I think the Giants are the worst good team in football. They're ranked 10 in the power rankings. They're 3-2. But I think this game's going to tell us a lot about them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I think we're going to find out against the Eagles. Because like like Christian had said, this is where they went in last year. They got blown out, and they really took a nosedive. They lost Victor Cruz. It's a year later, Victor Cruz still isn't playing. So with Ruben Randall questionable... And Odell Beckham questionable. If neither of those guys can go, you're looking at a crew of receivers that I'm, I'm assuming they found in the supermarket. I can't even name any of them off the top of my head. I, I could not tell you. 17 million to Dwayne Harris. <laughs> Dwayne Harris, exactly. There's, there's your guy. So it, it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a tight game. And so much of it, if they can't manufacture a pass rush against Sam Bradford, as bad as he's been, I think they're going to enable Sam Bradford to look good. Yeah, I think so. And you mentioned the passing offense. I think that you're going to see a lot of Shane Vereen this week especially if Randall or Beckham are hurt or limited. Randall, they said, was a full participant in practice today, so it looks like he'll play. uh, Odell is still a question mark, but Shane Vereen looked really good on that last drive against the 49ers, and I think that, you know, Eagles not great in pass coverage. Maybe they'll even line Vereen up in the slot a little bit or just out of the backfield. I think you'll see Eli look to Vereen a lot because they saw, look, we really got a weapon in this guy. Maybe we should utilize him more. And if Odell Beckham is out, you know, his target volume is only going to increase. Oh, absolutely. Shane Vereen, for for the San Francisco 49ers, not to cover Shane Vereen out of the backfield, not once but twice on that game-clinching drive is criminal. Criminal. Every receiver is out of the game for them except Dwayne Harris, and you have a proven commodity in the backfield. Shoot, stick a free safety in the box and say, I don't care where he goes, you follow him. Because it's not as if he picked up you know, five yards on and out. Vereen oh. gashed them twice oh, yeah. for, I believe, the, the, you know, 50 total yards passing and put them in a good position. So, again, they're going to need to lean on Vereen. They're going to need Eli to play pretty mistake-free football because as bad as the Eagles have been and as, <laughs> as inconsistent as they've been, they're on a high. So Sam Bradford's 30th in the league in QBR. That's pretty terrible for a guy that Chip Kelly was so certain was the one. But DeMarco Murray finally kicked it in. He had 186 yards. Do you think they'll try and run the ball against this Giants defense? As bad as they're in pass coverage, they're third best in the league against the run. How would you, how would you game plan if you're the Eagles? I mean, I think you've got to try to establish the run early. The Giants have been very good against the run. I think it's too early to say that they're, you know, a really good run defense. It could be a little bit fluky. It's early on. They haven't faced, you know, top running backs yet. So I think you try to establish the run early, but you got to take what the defense is giving you. If the Giants are going to be stout on the run all game, then you attack the cornerbacks. With Amukamara out this week, it's going to be really hard to cover Jordan Matthews, Riley Cooper, Nelson Aguilar, and I think it's going to be tough for the Giants to really defend the Eagles' pass defense. So if I'm the Eagles, try to establish the run, but if that's not working, just burn them in the secondary. And if you're the Giants, you need to think, okay, this is a defense that hasn't been great. They've been okay. They're you know, near the middle of the run. They had a big issue last week with what they call X plays. So X plays are passes longer than 20 yards. Against the Saints, that resulted in 172 yards. But with Odell Beckham out of the game, who's going to pick up 172 yards on, on passing plays up the seam, down the middle, Who's going to gash them? And again, this isn't to say that the Giants' past defense is bad. They haven't. There's a lot of talent back there. If you have 
15 seconds to throw the ball, which it feels like most quarterbacks do against the Giants, they're going to find someone to pick on him. I think Landon Collins is a fantastic player. He has a near-perfect pass rating against because, yeah, if he has to cover somebody for six seconds, they're going to get open. So they need to get some, some semblance of a pass rush on Bradford. They've done a decent job manufacturing it. I'd, I'd say blitz. I'd say put a little bit more faith in those guys back there. I know Mukamara's out, but DRC is a very good cornerback too. Make Sam Bradford make mistakes. Yeah, when you look at the Giants team that have been successful and have gone to the Super Bowl, they've had an outstanding pass rush. Strahan, Yuminiora, Tuck, and then that was in 08. Then in 12, you had Yuminiora, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Tuck. So I think you really have to try to, Yeah, if you're not going to get a pass rush from just the defensive line, send a linebacker in there because they're really not that good in pass coverage either. So you might as well just try to have them get at the quarterback. When and if Jason Pierre-Paul comes back for the Giants, obviously won't be this week. I don't that, think it's I think this that year. would be huge. Yeah, it may not even be this year. It may not be ever if he comes back to the Giants. No. Nope. But if he could somehow come back, I think that that would make the Giants go from a bad, good team to just a good team, assuming he is close to what JPP was. I agree. You, you feel for Jason Pierre-Paul because that's such a momentary dumb decision that could have such long-ranging negative effects on his life. I've seen the pictures. You Brutal. can't play football like that. I'm sure they'll they'll talk about, oh, he needs to adjust his hand. Yes and no. I don't think we'll ever see Jason Pierre-Paul the way Jason Pierre-Paul used to look. I think that's what happens when you lose a few fingers on your, your right hand. And it, it's such a shame. Not only – it's a personal shame. It's, it's a shame for the team because he's such an important guy to that franchise, such a good guy, such an active member of the community here in New York. For something like that to happen over fireworks, and now as much as you don't want to talk about because it it's a personal tragedy, you have to because their pass rush is anemic. And they, if they're going to lose this game, which, again, the Eagles, inconsistent. Who knows? Eagles might show up. No one will block for DeMarco. Bradford will throw three picks. They'll make a couple of head-scratching mistakes on defense. Giants could blow them out. The Giants at least have been steady. They, they've had a lead in every game. They could be 5-0, and but they're not. I mean, they, they, they lost a few games just as easily could be. You know, they could have blown a few more games no, there. Two and three. Yeah, you never know. But the Eagles are just so up and down and up and down. It's, it's like following a roller coaster. I think the Eagles are really going to come to play for this one. I think they're trending in the right direction. I think they always get up for the first game against the Giants every year and then conversely fall down and, and lose. They won 27 to nothing last year. We'll make our picks later, but I'm going to make mine known now. I'm, I'm definitely thinking this is the Eagles' night. What about you? Well, I am a biased Giants fan, so <laughs> I was leaning towards the Giants, but I think it really hinges on the health of Odell Beckham. Oh, yes. If he's healthy, then you're really going to shred that Eagles secondary, and I think that you know at the end of the day, Eli is – I think, a lot better than Sam Bradford. Oh, yeah. I think that will be the difference in this game if Odell Beckham's healthy. If he's not and he's got to throw to Randall as, as his number one receiver and Vereen and Harris, then I think that the Eagles, like you said, will be up for this game and they'll find a way to win. And the other New York team actually playing quite well. Coming off the bye week, we're going to go to Matt Crow's Jets report right now. The New York Jets are coming off their bye week, rested and ready to greet the Washington Redskins at home on Sunday. The teams enter this week in distinctly different situations as the Jets look to push forward on their 3-1 record while the Redskins look to avoid another disastrous season. For the Jets offensively, there has been lots of talk surrounding the position players. Ryan Fitzpatrick has meshed thus far with his wideouts, and Chris Ivory has proven to be a beast in the run game. The guys who have received less attention, though have shown just as bright, are the big man up front, the offensive line. Gangrene O-line has allowed the fewest sacks in the league, giving time for Fitzpatrick to throw the ball and opening up holes in the defense for Ivory to run. 
Offensive coordinator Chan Gailey on this week's matchup. They're not the number six defense in the league just by happenstance. They're, they are physical up front now. Wow, they're strong. This will be our biggest challenge offensively. The Redskins, losers of 15 of their last 16 road contests, have struggled holding on to the ball. Washington hopes that their deep threat Deshaun Jackson returns this week as it would create opportunities in the run game as well as give Kirk Cousins his top target back. The Jets' defense has been impressive thus far as their 13 turnovers through four games already matches the total from last season. The return of Sheldon Williams creates an opportunity for an already great D to become even more dominant. Gang Green ranks second in the league, holding opponents to only four and a half yards per play. The return of Williams adds another roadblock on the line, and combined with a turnover-prone Washington squad, expect the defense to have another monster performance. I believe Redskins turnovers will be the difference in this one, coupled with another big day from Chris Ivory on the ground. My prediction, 31-14 Jets, covering the... I'm Matthew Crow, WFUV Sports. Thank you very much, Matt. So another big name coming back, Sheldon Richardson, uh, the, the, the resident NASCAR driver. One of those big-time, big-time D-linemen for the Jets coming back. I think this is an NFL game that will be won and lost in the trenches, and I think the trenches, as, as Matt had alluded to, do in fact favor the Jets. Yeah, absolutely. The Jets' defensive line has been very good all year. You're adding Sheldon Richardson, an elite defensive lineman. It's only going to get better. Redskins' offensive line is banged up. This should have classic Jets win written all over it. You're at home. You're facing a bad offensive team. Your defense is looking strong. But at the same time, it does have Jets classic implosion <laughs> written all over it. They're 3-1. and one. Everyone's starting to think, hey, maybe the Jets are good. And just when you think that, it seems like the Jets are like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> We're not good. <laughs> Todd Bowles is, is a fascinating guy because he's the anti-Rex Ryan. But the, the reason I feel for Todd Bowles, he's essentially in the same situation he was last year with the Falcons when you had – you know, a dominant, dominant defense. He was their defensive coordinator. So you have a dominant defense that you're presiding over. But the quarterback problem is a question. I don't, I don't think it's going to come back to hurt them this week. I don't think the Redskins are very good. I think with Trent Williams dealing with a spine problem, the offensive line for the Redskins, Corey Lichtsteiger, their center is questionable as well. I don't think that that's a very good thing for the Redskins. I really think they're going to get beat up. If you can't throw the ball, or excuse me, you can't run the ball, you're putting the ball in the hands of Kirk Cousins 30, 40 times a game. Then you can't like, throw the ball either. No, you know, Terrell <laughs> Revis, Calvin Pryor, and, and Cromartie back there, it's going to make a mistake. He absolutely isn't. They're, they're so good at getting these creative pressures. Chris Ivory, again, he's been one of the best backs in the league. And last week, the Redskins got gassed for 153 yards. I, I don't see a lot of ways where the Redskins can do what they want, which is make Ryan Fitzpatrick beat you. I think this game's going to be taken out of Fitzpatrick's hands and run right down the throat of the Redskins. You know, I do think the Jets will win. You know, I, I said it could be an implosion, but that was half kidding, half yes. true. But, uh, <laughs> well, I do you never know. The Jets will win. Kirk Cousins loves to turn the ball over. Big, Revis, big fan of it. Antonio Cromartie should get an interception between them at least. Like you said, the Redskins' run defense has been good, but they did get gashed by Devontae Freeman last night. Real bad. Devontae Freeman could just be headed to Canton <laughs> the way he's playing, so maybe it doesn't even matter. But I think the Jets will be able to run the ball. Redskins' secondary is not that good either. They could probably throw the ball too. Marshall does very well against the Redskins in his career. I think the Jets will get up big early. They'll use the uh, run game to really shut it down, and their pass defense will allow Kirk Cousins to really not rack up any garbage time scores. 
So where do we stand on this Jets team? Are they a legit contender at three and one, or I think we need more of a sample size? I think they're. I leg- think they could be very good. I think they're a legit playoff contender because the rest of the AFC is pretty bad. I think they don't have much competition. I don't think they're a legit Super Bowl contender or contender for the division. I think the Patriots pretty much have a stranglehold on that. I think Cincinnati's looked good, uh, and I think even the Colts are still better than the Jets. To be honest, I know they beat them a few weeks ago. Ooh, that's it's a bold one. <laughs> they'll, they'll things out. I'll take Andrew Luck over Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> that's true, but but I enjoy as a, as a defensive guy myself. I like the way they play defense. I like that they have Darrell Revis to lock off your number one receiver. I like that Cromartie's probably a top ten corner in the league, and he's their two guy. I like Calvin Pryor flying up, and that defensive line. I mean, you know they Unreal. somehow, of course, you know. Leonard Williams, probably the consensus best football player in the draft, although not a positional lead guy, falls to them on that loaded defensive line, and they're getting a great lineman back in Richardson. Can you? You can't. This team cannot game plan to score on the Jets, and I think the Jets in every game they'll be in every game this year because of their defense. It's a Broncos-like defense where no matter what your quarterback goes out and does. You can count on Ivory pounding away to the tune of 80 to 100 yards, and you can count on the defense keeping them out of the end zone for the majority of the game. And that's a, that's a formula that Rex Ryan thought he had, but that team doesn't have the same kind of discipline a Todd Bowles' defense is going to have. And I think that the Jets will contend in every game this year. Are they a real contender or not? I'm not sure. We're still so far out. Are they enough of a contender to beat the Redskins without two of their top offensive linemen? Probably. Yeah. I, would, I would say <laughs> so. Oh uh, yeah, no. I think the Jets, like you said, they look like they could be a contender. They have all the ingredients to be a contender. I I do think they'll be in the playoffs. But the reason for me is I'm not going to say they're a Super Bowl contender yet. Is the quarterback play? Fitzpatrick has looked good, but at the end of the day, I cannot see Ryan Fitzpatrick leading a team to a Super Bowl. No, that's just not Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and you've seen him look brilliant. You know, he played for Buffalo for a number of years. Saw a lot of those games. He played well 80 percent of the game. But when you can least afford a turnover. That's when Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to cough one up. There's a lot of NFL teams, you think about it, it's a luxury to have a good quarterback. Not a great, a great quarterback is, thank goodness. A good quarterback's a guy that's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to take what the defense gives him. Kirk Cousins is big on turnovers. They turn the ball over eighth most in the NFL, and the Jets force 3.3 turnovers a game. Now, is that a decent amount of just taking advantage of bad fumbles and getting lucky and recovering a lot of the fumbles? Because, you know, you recover a fumble, it's stats showing about 50% chance you recover it, 50% chance they do. This Jets defense creates a ton of turnovers. I think that's going to be the story. But, but back to Fitzpatrick, he's better than Geno Smith, I'll tell you that much. But he's a slight upgrade over Geno Smith. And a slight upgrade over Geno Smith is not going to lead the Jets to a Super Bowl. It's going to make them contenders because they've, you know, they've created a masterful defense there. One thing I, I kind of worry about with the Jets, those linebackers and pass coverage, since they're so used to getting after the passer, yeah. if they can figure out, okay, let's get Alfred Morris the ball out of the backfield a few times. You have to keep this pass rush honest. You need a good screen game. You, you can't throw the ball to your one receiver against the Jets because of Revis. That makes things hard. It's going to be a very, very tough tough uphill track here for the Redskins. Yeah, I, I think the Redskins are going to have a very hard time here. You mentioned throwing the ball to Alfred Morris out of the backfield. I think they may go to Chris Thompson, actually. He's like their third string running back mm-hmm. behind Morris and Jones. And Thompson has been catching a ton of balls out of the backfield. Morris hasn't been really good. Jones has been okay. So if the Redskins do get down, I think you're going to see a lot of Chris Thompson over the middle. They've got a rookie tight end in there, Derek Carrier, with Jordan Reed out. So maybe some garbage time fantasy stats, which I know I'll get to in a little bit, but uh, I don't see how the Redskins are going to be able to get anything going offensively, especially if Deshaun Jackson's out. Jordan Reed is definitely out. 
who is probably Cousins' favorite target when healthy. I think the Jets' defense will show up and you know show him who's boss. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this will be a good week to be a Gang Green fan, although you never know. It's the NFL. So we're going to make the transition right now. I know I've been struggling in fantasy. I can't speak to you, Tom. So we're going to bring in our main guy, Tyler Ferrer. How is everything today, Tyler? Good. How are you guys doing today? Cannot complain. So what do you got for us? Who's your start sit? What do you like for this big week six? I'm going to run through uh, start and sit him for each uh, position. I'm going to start with the quarterback, of course. Uh, for this week, Blake Bortles. I know he's going against the Texans. They haven't been struggling tremendously this year. Their defense hasn't been what expected. Blake Bortles has scored 19 fantasy points in three of his last four games. And just go, that matchup just looks favorable. And if you have an injured number one quarterback, I would definitely go to the waiver wire and uh, look at Blake. Uh, as for my sit for the quarterback is uh, Cam Newton in Seattle. I know uh, Seattle has been struggling. Their defense hasn't been what is it, what was expected of them. I just think even though Newton has been playing well, he has seven touchdowns, two picks on the year, I just don't see him going into Seattle and having – having a good game he's been struggling there through his career through uh three games in seattle he's actually thrown for 145 yards on average and only one touchdown doesn't seem like a favorable matchup for him at all so not at all. <laughs> yeah so i would i would go ahead and uh if you have a d- number two quarterback behind cam because i know he's a number one in a lot of the leagues i would uh definitely go ahead and sit him moving to running backs uh chris ivory we we're just speaking about it. the jets he's been a beast all year Though the Redskins' defense is t- statistically good against the run, I just don't see I just don't see him being able to hold Ivory. Uh, they gave up 25 fantasy points to Devontae Freeman last week. Uh, he's so, Devontae Freeman. Yeah, he's been he's been doing that <laughs> routinely. So I just think Ivory will follow the trend. He's been scoring 20 po- 20 plus points in two of his three games he played this year. So, yeah, Chris Ivory's definitely a start for this week. As for the sit for the running backs, I have uh, Jonathan Stewart. Uh, I'm not liking too much of the Panthers' matchups this week. He has uh, 220 yards on the year, no touchdowns. And, again, being in Seattle, it's just it's a tough place to play. It's not, it's not a favorable, favorable matchup. But, um, yeah, they've been giving up about nine points a week, Seattle has, has been doing against running backs. So they've been pretty stout against the run. So I would go ahead and sit Jonathan Stewart. Moving on to wide receivers, a couple years ago this would be a given, but for this year it really hasn't been. Calvin Johnson out of the Detroit Lions. He he honestly has been having a decent year, 300 yards on one touchdown. The production from the touchdown standpoint hasn't been there. Matthew Stafford hasn't been playing nearly to the capabilities that that he that he's capable of, but uh. Yeah, Megatron needs to remain in your starting lineup for sure. The Bears, they're going against a tough, well, it's a divisional matchup, but the Bears haven't been any good this year in the past defense. No. Or run defense. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> defense. just defense. Just defense and overall. They just haven't been haven't been good, and Megatron always comes out for division games, scored the last six ga- a touchdown in the last six games against the Bears. So he's definitely a start. Uh, for my sit it's we spoke about this earlier, Jordan Matthews against the Giants. He has uh, about 300 yards and one touchdown on the year. Uh, he's been ice cold in the st- uh, stat sheets the last three weeks. Uh, combined 14 fantasy points through those three games. No touchdowns, so it's not it's not a good option for you if you have him at, at wide receiver. And not to mention the Giants, it's prime time and uh, it's a visual matchup. So, so I would go ahead and uh, sit uh, Jordan Matthews. 
Moving on to uh, tight ends, uh, Tyler Eifert. He's a great first name, but uh, he's uh, I'll <laughs> definitely start him. Uh, Bengals are five and zero on the year. It's a no brainer to start him. He's been lighting up defenses. He has three hundred yards on the year, five touchdowns. He's been Andy Dalton's primary target, though he has a star AJ Green wide receiver on his team. But I just I just think the matchup against the Buffalo Bills, though they're in Buffalo, it's gonna it's gonna be a favorable matchup for Tyler Eifert for sure. For the sit-em for my tight end is uh, Jimmy Graham. We spoke about it earlier in the show. Not nearly the production that he's seen in New Orleans. Uh, they have, he hasn't really found himself in this offense at all. Uh, he's on pace for 600 yards and six touchdowns on a year. Not nearly as what he was putting up in New Orleans. Um, I just think it's it's been tough for him in this offense. So I just if you have him, if you have another tight end behind him, I would definitely you know give them a shot. For, for this week moving on to the defenses uh this is probably a given but new york jets against the washington redskins what a roll. they're gonna <laughs> coming off the bye week they're uh they're a little fresh they got a they got um definitely definitely have um a good defense uh the redskins offense attack is not not nearly as threatening as the defense they've, defenses they um they've seen before but um yeah, so the Jets are definitely a start for this week. Moving on to uh, the sit for defense is the Buffalo Bills against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Andy Dalton has been playing like an MVP this year, and the Buffalo Bills defense has been stout up to this point, but they've, uh, they haven't been too good at home. It's uh, pretty surprising, but yeah, so if you have the Buffalo Bills defense for this week, I would uh, it's definitely suggest uh, sitting them going against uh, a really good Bengals team for sure. Uh, I'm gonna give you a sleeper for this year, for this week as well. Uh, Kenny Stills, Miami Dolphins, coming off the bye week, uh, they were in London. He was actually one of the only players who showed up to that game for Miami. He had five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. So I just think, I think he's definitely a sleeper. Not too many people own him in the fantasy leagues. Only about 30 percent. So if you want to make a trip to the waiver wire, pick up a good receiver. Definitely uh, Kenny Stills. And I think to give you another sleeper that I was thinking of playing this week either, I think if you're deciding to play him in a flex and season long or you want a cheap kind of dart in daily fantasy, I think Lamar Miller from that team is going to have a big week yeah, for sure. running back. Tennessee Titans have pretty bad run defense. Lamar Miller's a really good running back. He hasn't been getting the ball at all. But I think with the coaching change, they may try to get Miller involved early. And I think you could see maybe 100 yards and a touchdown for Miller today. Yeah, so definitely for sure. So I have a quick question for you. I had a QB dilemma <laughs> this week, so I picked up Carson Palmer late in the round. I also have Russell Wilson. Who would you start this week? Uh, it would have to be Carson Palmer for sure. I know he's on the road in Pittsburgh. It's not a t- it's a tough place to play. He's been playing like an elite quarterback. Uh, 18 fantasy points on average in the past uh, three weeks. It's decent numbers for a quarterback, but his touchdown production has been up there. And uh, like I said earlier, the Seattle Seahawks haven't been the team that they're, they've been expected to be. So I would definitely go ahead and start Carson Palmer if, instead of Russell Wilson. All right, absolutely. Sounds good. Tom, you got any questions? Uh, if we're looking at uh, running back, who's a guy, you know, kind of high-end maybe running back this week that you think may not have the best week as up to his usual standard? Uh Honestly, I would have to go ahead and say Adrian Peterson. I know he's been uh, he's been playing really well. He's uh, sixth in the league in rushing, 
three touchdowns, about 472 yards. Coming off the bye week, I know it looks like a favorable matchup, but Kansas City's run defense is about top 10, I think, I believe. So that's if as a number one running back on your team, he, he might have a struggle this week for sure. Well, he's on my team, so <laughs> I hope not. Sorry. Really need to win this week. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, excellent. So now we're going to move to one of our most exciting segments. We're going to go to the Pickums. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. It's Pickum time. All right, we're going to bring our folks in the back in. So. First game to pick out here, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me the Eagles. Tom? I'm going with the Giants. Tyler? Uh, Definitely the Giants for this one. And we're going to go to the back. We got it in. Oh, we're not. We're having some technical difficulties out here. All right, excellent. So we have the Jets and the Washington Redskins. Uh, In this game, like we had previously discussed, I think the Jets are going to be the team to go. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off that, take the Jets, too. I think they'll win by at least a touchdown this week. Oh, so we actually have the guys' picks in the back right here. So our main man, Rich. Rich is going with the Giants. Dan, the Giants, and Christian, our unbiased beat reporter, also going with the Giants. Uh, To read through the Jets-Washington game, Rich with the Jets, Dan with the Jets, and Christian also with the Jets. A lot of continuity. It's six up, six down for the Jets. So... Pittsburgh versus Arizona. Michael Vick still in the lineup, looking to revert to that 2004 Madden form. <laughs> in this game, I, I've loved the way Arizona's looked all year, and it's still Mike Vick, and it's he's a little bit past his prime. Tom, who you got? Yeah, don't count on Michael Vick. The Cardinals are hot. I think they'll continue to roll and beat the Steelers handily. Absolutely. Tyler? This is actually my upset pick for the week, and I have Pittsburgh uh, beating Arizona for sure. Yeah, I'm, I like Michael Vick this week. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So now we're going to go Chicago and Detroit. <laughs> what, a, what a game, huh? What a game. <laughs> Oof. Done to the head here. <laughs> Neither of them look tremendous. G- give me the Bears. Uh, Matt Forte is a great player. He deserves better than the team he's been playing for. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions. They're not going to go 0-16 this season. If they're going to win a game, it's going to be a division home game against the Bears. Yeah, I'm going with Detroit, too. I think they're due for a win. 0-5 on the year, I think. Divisional matchup, they come out, come out, win the game. So it looks like I forgot to read the Pittsburgh Arizona picks. Rich Arizona, Dan Arizona, and Christian also Arizona. You guys just agreeing on everything back there? Did, did one of you just fill this out in someone's handwriting? Oh my goodness! No, no excitement in the back room today. All right. So then for Detroit, uh, we had Rich going with Detroit as his upset pick. We had Dan picking. Oh, this is this is Dan's upset. Dan did not put in a pick for Detroit and Chicago. We're gonna assume he wants Chicago to win because I do, and that's what all smart people would smart people would do. And then Christian going with Detroit. So now let's do New England, Indianapolis. Uh, well, I think this one should be. I'm gonna go with New England here. I think, guys, it could be tight, but <laughs> I think the Patriots probably win by at least two touchdowns, maybe four touchdowns. Tyler, what do you think? I'm going with Indy. Oh, s- come on, Tyler! <laughs> my second upset pick of the <laughs> oh, week. Oh gosh! I just think Andrew Luck, you know, coming off injury, he's gonna he has something to prove, you know. So I'm going with Indy. Well, that's that's a bold pick, and I like it. All right. So the boys in the back yet again, all three of them agree. With the Patriots. Hey, there's nothing wrong with agreeing with the Patriots. I think the Patriots should be should be just fine out here. 
so. And now we're going to go into the upset special. The upset special, always a lot of fun. I wouldn't recommend gambling on this. Give me, give me, give me the Browns. Give me the Browns over the Broncos. Wow. I'm no a, faith in I'm Peyton. A, no, I have no faith in Peyton. I, mean, I, I don't either. Peyton throws the ball like my third grade little brother. Uh, <laughs> it's a real noodle right now. Great defense. Give me the Browns to somehow pull it out. A little Travis Benjamin action. Tom? Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins in Tennessee coming off a bye with the new coach. I think they're going to make Marcus Mariota make a couple mistakes, and they come out and win their second game. Absolutely. Tyler? I mentioned it before. I'm going with the Colts. I, that's a big upset this week, and Andrew Luck has something to prove, so definitely going with the Colts. Tom, the boys in the back are wondering, is that an upset, or are they favored by several points? Uh, no, the Titans are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, well. <laughs> Next time, don't question Tom. I, no, that's no, all. I'll go with the Giants, too. <laughs> no. They're, they're five-point underdogs. <laughs> oh. Tension, tension's tight here on NFL Friday. And the guys in the back, upset pick. Rich took Detroit as his upset pick. Got, got, I like that a little bit. Dan went with Buffalo. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you've ever seen E.J. Manuel play quarterback, but this is going to be an exciting day for you. I don't know. And Christian also going with Detroit as his upset. So thus brings to the close another fantastic edition of NFL Friday. Great slate of games. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Joe Marie. We had Tom Scabelli as our B host today. Ty Ferry is our fantasy expert. We had Dan Bradley in the back running the board. Christian O'Hara and Richard Jean stopped in too. Not sure what Rich brought to the table, but but it was big. <laughs> it was big to have him back there. So thanks again. Thank you for listening so much, and we will see you next week at the same time. Over and out. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.